Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standick, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Thanks so much for returning to the podcast or checking it out for the first time, if that's your deal. Excited to talk, uh, or excited to share with you guys my interview with my colleague at The Athletic, Jeff Zreback, who covers the Ravens. And you may think, well, what are we doing talking about the Ravens, considering they didn't play uh, in the playoffs this weekend. They got bounced in the opening week. Uh, what are we doing here? Well, here's what we're doing here. The Washington Commanders still have an ongoing offensive coordinator search. And while Greg Roman is not listed yet as a candidate, and maybe he never will be, his name has come up a lot since the Ravens fired him the other day, or I guess we should say, the two sides parted ways, whatever you want to, however you want to phrase that. But Greg Roman is one of the better run game coordinators in the league. Uh, he's been an offensive coordinator for 10 years. His teams have always finished top 10 in rush attempts and rush yards. And therefore, that's why his name comes up, because Ron Rivera is talking about wanting this to be a run first team in Washington. And therefore, Roman makes sense to consider but will they actually go forward in considering it? Will they be aggressive? And, and does he look at them as a viable option? Or like a lot of other coordinators, I would imagine, who have options, they don't look at Washington um, as a desired destination. So we'll get into all that. In addition, we talked a lot about Lamar Jackson and what is going on there. Jeff is the best on the on the Ravens beat, so it was fun to talk to him about what's going on there. So we'll get to all that in a moment here on the podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Uh, again, uh, interviews still coming for this offensive coordinator position. Uh, my understanding, the last time I spoke to anyone, is that this week two more interviews are coming. Dolphins running back coach. Eric Studsville, Studisville, and Rams tight end coach slash associate head coach Thomas Brown will meet this week. I think they may both be going on Monday. We'll probably find out um, hopefully by tomorrow. The team has been pretty good about tweeting out when they've conducted interviews. So they both may be on Monday or at least early in the week, that would run the total up to five people that have been interviewed. Would imagine more names to come. And again, we'll see if Greg Roman is one of those names. And as for the offensive coordinator odds, I, I wouldn't put it on any specific individual. But I would just say that in my view, guys like Pat Shermer and Ken Zampezi, the current quarterback coach, who have been coordinators in the past fit with what I would imagine would be Ron Rivera's interest. And that is 
getting somebody who's experienced, who can handle that uh, position and get going immediately, because obviously this team needs to have a winning season. And you've got Sam Howell in there at quarterback. Uh, you're going to need somebody who's, you know, you don't really want training wheels at the quarterback and the coordinator position, but we'll see three of the candidates have no prior offensive coordinator experience. So we'll see how this all plays out. And again, other names will surely emerge. Other than that, uh, you know, it's never quiet on the Washington commanders beat, but at the same point, you know, we're just kind of waiting for more information on the ownership sale. Uh, I, I will say that speaking of the team, I was out at FedEx field on Friday because the team uh, unveiled its new sports book partnered with fanatics. Uh, you know, look, it's a nice space. Uh, you know, it's got, it's got the, uh, you know, it's not the biggest space in the world, but it's a nice solid space. It's got, of course, all the, uh, it's got the sports book there. You can do uh, automated, um, or it's got a, a sports betting kiosk. You can do it yourself if you don't want to deal with um, one of the employees. Um, they're going to serve food. They're going to serve alcohol. They've got all the TVs. All looks good. The two things I would just note, they are not, um, they are, the, the sports book is not open during, on game days. That's just a league rule. And obviously, FedEx Field is not exactly convenient for a lot of people. I'll be really curious to see how things shake out in terms of uh, foot traffic uh, during this offseason or even just on any general weekday night. So we'll see how that goes for them. But that is now officially open. We did also speak with Jason Wright for a little bit. The conversation kept on the opening of the sports book and went and what entailed with that, that said, um, I asked Jason Wright about how he was able to kind of, you know, see this sports book situation all the way to conclusion amid all the constant, you know, turmoil that's in the air um, for the franchise on the business side and the football side. And he, his basic answer was, hey, the job goes forward. And that's for him and for Ron Rivera. And that's all they can do. And that was basic the basic message there with regards to um, how his mentality is uh, with, with so much uncertainty in the air. You know, it's not just the football. It's not just Ron Rivera's future that we've talked about a lot. If there's no ownership change, what happens on the business side of things? I, I, you know, I, I certainly admire and appreciate the effort that Wright and his team have have given since he's arrived. But there's obviously been a lot of mistakes and flops and so on, you know, the various, uh, you know, Sean Taylor ceremonies, um, you know, the, 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 the list is, the list is pretty, uh, lengthy as we all know this, although cap, you know, major Tuddy looks fine, <laughs> but a lot of other things, not as much. So it'll be curious to see what, what unfolds there. If anybody does go out to the sports book, um, let me know, uh, hit me up at Ben standing on Twitter, or you can always email me, be standing at the athletic.com. All right, we're going to have more podcasts this week. I've got some fun guests lined up, including Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl starts a week from Monday. So uh, we're going to get you ready for that. I will be in Mobile uh, for that pre draft event, but you'll hear from a preview with, with Jim Nagy 
this week. All right, um, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Jeff Zreback from The Athletic, our Ravens beat reporter here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Uh, excited for this one. Everybody's got their, you know, big white whale of a guest they've been trying to book. I've been trying to get this guy on forever, even though he's like somebody I can I can text on the regular. But he's been busy because he's got a team that's got, you know, he, they, they got a quarterback uh, controversy. They just had a offensive coordinator fired, but he's now joined the ranks of watching the playoffs uh, as opposed to being a participant. Here he is. Our Ravens insider Jeff Zreback. Uh, I appreciate you, uh, you know, let, letting uh, letting us get you here on, on the podcast. You know, glad we were able to, you know, negotiate a deal finally. <laughs> my pleasure, Ben. Happy to ha- happy to join you. Um, well, my guy, uh, you, uh, we've got a lot to discuss. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea if Greg Roman's a candidate here, but it makes sense. And you have covered him now for a few years. Uh, I have no idea if if Lamar Jackson would even be available. Would Washington be in the mix? And I don't know who's signing any checks, but nonetheless, um, it's an interesting deal. And I wanted to sort of run through all these scenarios with you. Uh, but but first, like, have you been able to exhale? I mean, w- my season ended one or one week earlier than expected because they got bounced before we even got to week 18. Your team that, co- that you cover makes the playoffs uh, and had one of the craziest moments of the playoffs with the obviously uh, Tyler Huntley fumbling at the two yard line and the Bengals running it back for the game winning touchdown, have you uh, been able to exhale at all yet? Yeah, you know, I I think part of it with the Ravens this year, and you you know, you never know come playoff time, but you know, I just there's kind of a sense of resignation that you know, okay, this team, there's some pieces in place, they're gonna play hard, they're well coached, but if if number eight, if Lamar Jackson isn't on the field. Uh, they're not making a playoff run. I mean, let's be serious. And I, I mean, I, you th- I think you can say that a lot about about a lot of teams. Most teams, in fact, obviously, people are going to bring up Purdy and the 49ers. I get it, but uh, they also have probably the best roster in the NFL, the 49ers. So I, I think I don't want to say you know no one was giving the Ravens a chance and, and the bags were packed, but I, I think late in the season, I mean, the bigger story was was could Lamar play? And, and once it kind of became clear that he wasn't going to be able to go, that he wasn't feeling uh, healing fast enough, you know, there was kind of that sense there that okay, go to Cincinnati, you're playing a division rival, play well, you have a shot, but you're probably not winning that game without eight on the field and. I mean, they outplayed him. Uh, they pretty much did what they want. That game went the way they want. Uh, I thought the Ravens coached a really strong game, but situationally, uh, in, in certain spots, uh, you know, I think uh, was was a failure, and that led to the result we we saw. So, um, you know, I had been preparing, you know, for the end here. I think we all knew that Greg Roman was likely not coming back, regardless of how they worded it, fired, parted ways, mutual, step down, whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it, they're shaping up Ben to be, and, and you're, you're used to this, man. I, I mean, I'm going to have to lean on you a little bit, but they're shaping up to be one of the newsiest teams or one of the more interesting teams this off season. A, you got an OC search now, but uh, obviously the big fish is Lamar Jackson. I'm not sure once the Super Bowl ends if there's going to be a bigger story in the NFL than Lamar Jackson's status this offseason. Right. That's the thing. Like, there's the different categories are like head coach search, Mm -hmm. GM search, quarterback search, coordinator (laughs) search. And then, you know, the owner is not a 
well, I guess it's a search, but the owner's a little bit different, but obviously that's in play here too. So you've got two of the big ones in, in OC and quarterback, at least not search, but questions. And you, I agree. Like Lamar Jackson is arguably the biggest, going to be the biggest story because as we know, at no point on planet earth, are there enough people who can play that position at a high enough level where you think we can actually win the Super Bowl? And right now he is one of those players and clearly this thing has been going on for a long time. I know back before the season started, when I did my agent survey, one of the questions was, you know, what, what do we think is going to happen to Lamar Jackson? Almost nothing. It feels like has changed yeah. since, since that time. Um, give us the brief, I guess, sense of, of, of where, of, of, of actually, let me go like this. So going into the playoffs, you know, he'd been out for a few weeks and then we start wondering, is he going to be able to play? And then you start hearing some of the players, I guess, or some other whispers about, hey, why isn't he playing? What's going on? Then he puts out a statement uh, on Twitter. What, 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 what's your sense of what actually was happening here? How bad was he hurt? What was going on there? Yeah, you know, he he had a, a PCL strain, um, and there seemed to be a disagreement of what grade it was, uh, the severity of it. In the in the beginning, I, I think the Ravens thought, you know, probably missed two, three weeks. We can get him back the really late in the season, maybe, and then he'll be good for the playoffs. And, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't it didn't heal fast. It didn't heal fast enough. And he never felt kind of right. Um, you, you know, I'm not going to point fingers and say, you know, like I, I really have a hard time doing that, especially from guys. You know, we're up in the press box, Ben. And am I really going to say, oh, Lamar Jackson could play? I mean, I don't know how he's feeling. I don't know how it feels like to be Lamar Jackson. Right. What I do know is the organization thought he would be back. And for whatever reason, it didn't heal as fast as it can. Um, John Harbaugh clearly grew tired of the weekly questions. He doesn't like injury questions to begin with. And his kind of short answers on it. And he, you know, he said, I don't know, you know, some stuff. All that further created a perception that there is a growing divide between team and quarterback um and you know regardless Ravens players were were defensive publicly of Lamar you know a lot of them came to his defense all their team leaders at some point whether it was the week leading up to the playoff game after the game or even locker cleanout day but there is a frustration with the situation right I I mean I'm not saying necessarily the frustration was at Lamar but it was there was a frustration with the situation. This was a team that felt like they were good enough to to contend for a Super Bowl if their starting quarterback was on the field. I mean, their defense was playing as well as anybody's down the stretch. I mean, two straight weeks, we saw how well they held, held down the Bengals and gave them a chance to win the game, even with their offense turning the ball over. Um, their defense, Roquan Smith, transformed that group. You know with John Harbaugh, you're going to have a great special teams, and the the kicker is is the best in the league. So they felt like they had the pieces, but not having their quarterback was holding them back. So there absolutely was a frustration with the whole situation in the locker room. Guys were tired of it. Um, and, and I think that kind of boiled over a little bit, and I think that kind of led to Lamar releasing that statement, which the team did not know about and I think was taken kind of back from. So all that it was swirling and and, and just you know further adding to this perception that there's this divide between the quarterback and the team, which you know obviously is backed by the fact that they haven't been able to reach an agreement here in a contract. So uh, that sort of was the backdrop late in the season and 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 heading into the off season. 
I think the Ravens um, Thursday took a step to sort of moving past that a little bit. Um, both Harbaugh and DaCosta uh, met with the media, backed Lamar aggressively, um, you know, made clear that he's their guy. Obviously, they have to say that to an extent. I mean, you're not going to say, oh, we're tired of them. We're fed up with them. Make us your best offer. Um, I still think the idea is to resign him and extend him. Um, but, and, and, and one of the positives, Ben is he's in the building. He was in the building yesterday and met with both. And I think that, you know, count me among those who thought he would have been on a plane to South Florida three hours after their meeting, <laughs> uh, team meeting Monday. So I, I think there's positives and, and what they said, they said the right things, but we'll see. I mean, they need to get this deal done. And when they stopped and when the negotiations were tabled, uh, in during training camp, they were not close to getting this deal done. There's a clear difference of opinion there. And until there's significant compromise on both sides, it's going to be hard to project how this is going to end or how this is going to end well for the Ravens. Um, because, you know, putting a $45 million exclusive franchise tag on your quarterback pretty much hamstrings you from doing anything uh, this season. And they have other moves to make. Yeah, no, it's such a fascinating deal. And, you know, I know that like agents get a bad rap, like, you know, the, 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 the perception of these, you know, sharks and they're just in it for the money and all these things. And, you know, maybe there's some of truth to that, depending on the situation. <laughs> but I do think the advisory component to what an agent can do is a big deal. And I know when I talk to the agents and, and clearly they're going to be self-serving to an extent saying he should have an agent. But I think the, most of the time their rationale was sound. And when we're talking to players here you know, Deron Payne, Terry McLaurin, they'll always fall back on, well, you know, I, I talk to my agent. I trust my agent. I don't think that's just lip service. I think reality is these are not people who are lawyers, who are not financial advisors. These are people who have, who have this skill and they're trying to get paid. So I can understand. And these are also incredibly prideful guys. So I can imagine if when Deshaun Watson signs the deal that he gets, Lamar Jackson's probably going, hey, wait a minute. I've been better than this guy. I don't have any of the baggage that he has off the field. And you're telling me he gets a fully guaranteed contract and I can't. That doesn't make any sense. But there is no counterpoint. You know, I, I imagine in the conversations that he's having, whoever he's talking to or is not probably saying, well, Mar Lamar, here's the reality. Cleveland signed Sean Watson to a deal that nobody else is going to get. It is just kind of the re that reality. Look at Kyler Murray, for example, and, I know his contract had some weird stuff, but in general, he got paid a lot of money, not fully guaranteed. The fact that Lamar doesn't have that, it, that to me feels like where the divide is. Again, I you, you're you're actually studying this just purely from the outside that I can imagine that it's hard to have a dialogue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, yeah. when, when you when, and also I'm sure the Ravens don't want to tell Lamar hard truths. Yeah, directly. They got to they got to be nice to him. So that's got to be if he would get an agent, I feel like this could probably get resolved, assuming he actually does want to stay there. Yeah, yeah, no question. And and it was interesting because you know the Ravens traded for Roquan Smith. And a month and a half, I guess it was later, they signed him to an extension and he did not have an agent. And the talks took only a couple of days. But what people are mixing with that is a that he doesn't there's no past really with the Ravens and Roquan Smith, right? I mean, he's been here for a month and a half. Plus, his deal was pretty cut and dry. I mean, he wanted to be the highest paid linebacker in the league. You knew where it was going to, what number remotely where it was going to come. 
And they hammered out a deal pretty quickly. And, you know, this was part of DaCosta and Roquan kind of getting to know each other a little bit. And, and you know, so, but you just can't compare the two. I mean, there's history between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. And you're talking about a five-year deal at 20 per for Roquan. And that's a lot different neighborhood we're going to be in talking about the Lamar Jackson deal. So, you know, it was telling yesterday as optimistic as John Harbaugh was and as adamant as Eric DaCosta was that they were they want to sign him. They're hoping to sign him. They're working hard at signing him. DaCosta also said a couple things that made it kind of easy to be, you know, easy to read between the lines. One, his first comment on it was it takes two to tango. Right. So Lamar does things at his pace. He's not always been engaged in this. Two, he DaCosta at one point described the negotiations as a burden between him and Lamar. So I think that gives you a glimpse of just how difficult and delicate these negotiations are. I mean, you're negotiating with the face of your franchise, with your franchise quarterback who's not experienced in negotiating these deals. It, it's as tough as the situation gets, Ben, in terms of those kind of negotiations with trying to resign your player. And it just looked like he was strained by it, Eric DaCosta. You know, and 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 by all accounts, and, and I don't think this is lip service, him and Lamar Jackson get along really well. They generally like each other, respect each other. Doesn't make it that much easier to get a deal done when we're talking about the stakes that uh, they're talking about. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so the Ravens have to go. They move forward. They go into the playoffs. I know Tyler Huntley was banged up, but he had shown last year and maybe earlier this year that he's um, you know, he's a guy that can play. I don't know if he's an NFL starter per se, but you know, sort of like a Heineke situation. You can win with him. Obviously, the Ravens were close to it. If he had just not <laughs> tried to reach over from the two-yard line, whatever, you know, they don't knock it away, perhaps, and and it goes the way that it goes. Season ends. They make. They decide they've got to make a call here on Greg Roman. What is this? His third or fourth year with the Ravens? It was his fourth year. Fourth year. Um, did you? If they had beaten the Bengals, do you think that the same thing? happens because that, that's been a question i think for me with scott turner here yeah if, if washington makes the playoffs or is there an oc search i would guess no but what what say you uh with that i mean look if they went on a run beat the Bengals, and then went up and had a really good offensive game against the chiefs and either won or put up a 30 spot yeah i i think it would have been harder 
excuse me, to move on from Greg Roman. But, you know, Ben, there is a pattern of evidence that things with Greg Roman had just sort of run its course, you know, like I, he, he became a lightning rod for criticism. I'm sure you, you hear the same. Most offensive coordinators are, some of it was fair. Some of it was unfair, but he was extremely successful for a couple of years in building this offense around Lamar Jackson. They set league and team records. They won a ton of games and he deserves a lot of credit for that. The question is, did the, uh, did they did Lamar kind of outgrow Greg Roman's offense and did the Ravens sort of outgrow and you could certainly make that case uh, you know the the passing game is really elementary passing game wasn't really getting better it was very vanilla um situational play calling fourth down red zone it just it was the same thing and it kind of was following the pattern and other Greg Roman stops he comes in his offense is great for a year, two years, and then they never kind of evolve, right? They never stay ahead. They're, you know, and, you know, play clock issues. And it just had gotten the point where it was hard to foresee this continuing past this year. Um, and, you know, then after the game, you, you, he tries a quarterback sneak from probably the two-yard line. Now, Tyler Huntley was not supposed to jump. He was supposed to burrow. So that's a young quarterback making a mistake there. But still, you have J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Why are you doing quarterback sneaking from the two? And then there's the old issue. J.K. Dobbins totally went off after the game about his usage, not getting any touches. So uh, I don't think that that was the deciding factor. But it sort of seemed to be a fitting way to say, okay, uh, we're going to make a change here. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Greg was ready for a change. He'd just gotten – you know, the constant scrutiny and criticism. He was getting hassled outside the stadium after wins, the home oh, wow. stadium. Fans were yelling at him. So I think it was a time, a clean break for both sides. And, and you know, I just I just hope people do realize Greg Roman did some really good things at times, you know, with the Ravens. It just seemed to run its course. So it's time for change for both. I'm sure some people listening just had some PTSD the way you described it because there was a game late in the year. Uh, I think it was against the 49ers. They went, Washington went for a fourth and short by trying to sneak tight Taylor Heineke, who's not the biggest guy. That didn't work. Uh, the, the, the constant talk of like, how come so, you know, the, so-and-so didn't get enough touches. Uh, there was a game this year where Brian Robinson averaged over seven yards a carry, but only got like 12 touches. This was, uh, I want to say the, the, uh, the second giants game. Um, so yeah, very, very familiar stuff. Here's something. So I wanted to ask you, and I think it just sounds like you'll be probably in line with this. Um, our our mutual friend Robert Griffin III, <laughs> who, who we both covered, uh, he tweeted this about Greg Roman uh, this week. Greg Roman may be may be the greatest run game tactician, maybe one of the greatest run game tacticians I've ever been around at the NFL level. Our running backs and tight ends love his system because they eat. Wide receivers absolutely hate it. That's why free agent wide receivers didn't want to come to or stay in Baltimore. It was never about Lamar Jackson. Um, as a guy who's you know, played some fantasy football in this time, certainly the tight ends in Baltimore have done well. The running backs <laughs> have been fine. Obviously, Lamar helps with the run game a lot. But it's always that receivers, like, nothing ever seems yeah. to to sustain. And, and I know Marquise Brown you know, was traded uh, th th this year. What do you make of that? Because for Washington's perspective, that would be a scary scenario. They've got really good receivers. Yeah. So what do you make of that assessment? Yeah, I, I agree with Robert. Um, it just sort of, you know, 
Well, first of all, Baltimore, even before Greg Rollman, sort of has become a graveyard for receivers. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, 100%. And, and, and I mean, Harbaugh's uh, Woody Hayes winning the trenches. We're going to run the ball. So I think that has something to do with it. Um, most of their receivers' success has been veterans who are signed after already been established elsewhere. You know, the Anquan Boldens of the world and Steve Smith and Derek Mason. Those are probably their three best receivers. I mean, the best receiver they've developed is Torrey Smith, who had a real nice career, but I, I don't believe he made a Pro Bowl team. Um, and, you know, it's it's the one position where the Ravens have never, with all the success they've had drafting, the Ravens have never drafted and developed a Pro Bowl receiver. And that's pretty amazing all these years. They've had a Pro Bowl receiver, but he went to the game, Jermaine Lewis, former Terp, a, a, as a returner. So, yeah, I, so Greg Roman's offense, I don't want to put it all on Greg Roman, but, but it, yeah, it's, it's not a wide receiver-friendly offense. We've seen it time and time again um, each week. His route concepts were picked apart by the Dan Orlovskis and the film study guys of the world. Yeah. Were just a gas. How players always wound up in the same place and the spacing wasn't good. All that, yeah. There are definitely some issues there. I, you know, I, I do think Greg Roman could be a good coordinator in the right spot. You know, with a young quarterback, dynamic running game. I mean, he runs the ball. They'll run the ball no matter what. I mean, he's that good. That creative, I mean, look, last year, Ben, Ravens lost their whole running back room before the season. Dobbins, you know, tore, his, tore up his knee with you, against you guys in preseason. Uh, Gus Edwards didn't practice. Justice Hill didn't practice with his Achilles. They had nobody. They're signing running backs off the street. Lamar, who's often credited for keying the running game, missed a third of the season. And their offensive line was in flux, and yet they still finished as a top three rushing team, which is remarkable. Uh, so I think there is, first of all, at very least, he should be a run game coordinator somewhere because dynamic running game, it's wherever he goes, they've had that. The question is, is he the best fit as an offensive coordinator play caller? And, and I would think you'd have to have the sort of vision the Ravens had where you're going to be a really run-heavy offense, some play action, and you want your offensive coordinator a little bit and the running game to protect the young quarterback, and, and you think that's the way you're best built. Otherwise, yeah, if you have a dynamic group of wide receivers, uh, you plan on having kind of a high-flying attack in that way, I, I, I don't think he's your guy. Right. Well, that's what that's why he's an intriguing guy here, because Rivera and Martin Mayhew at their season ending press conference seem to double down on the idea they want to be sort of a run first, run heavy offense, which. I get it to a degree, except for the fact that you have Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, Curtis Samuel, and your offensive line is the weakest unit on the team. And, you know, maybe that helps a young quarterback if Sam Howell is the guy, but that's question two. Uh, let me ask you this. I guess it just the eye of the beholder, it sounds like, with a Greg Roman deal. Do you think he will have op like options to be an offensive coordinator again? I ask because with Washington situations, starting with we don't know who the owner is going to be and therefore what that means for Rivera's future, I've been saying any offensive coordinator candidate who has options is not going to look that favorably on Washington. Yeah. So where do you, what's your sense? I know it just all happened, so maybe yeah, it's hard yeah. to read, but you know, what's your sense of, of, of Greg Roman out there in the world? It's, it's interesting you say that, Ben, because 
we were sort of saying the same thing. Like, what offensive coordinator is going to want Baltimore when you don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to be there, you, you know, or you mm-hmm. don't even know who's going to be the quarterback if he's not there. So, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Roman gets another shot this year. I, I really wouldn't. I, I mean, what he does, he does extremely well. Um, I would think what you would have to do is if a coach was willing to pair him with kind of a pass game coordinator that was going to have a significant say in sort of some of the development and stuff. And I know that can be kind of awkward sometimes with, you know, and people, you know, fighting for power there and and kind of too, you know, too many cooks in in the kitchen. But yeah, I I wouldn't, it would, I wouldn't completely discount it. I mean, I know the Jets are looking for an offensive coordinator, uh, Robert Sala and Greg Roman worked together in Houston when Sala was still kind of, I don't know if he's an intern, but he was very much a lower level assistant. Um, I think the, there's enough people who admire how Greg Roman's offense can be difficult to defend. And he's won a lot of games. I mean, he's been an offensive coordinator on some good teams. So it wouldn't surprise me, but uh, I think it would be one of those buyer beware situations, right? Uh, you know, you have to have the right fit and you also need to have somebody working with that group um you know to make sure to better balance and marry the passing and run game that's that's the thing that Greg Roman has always kind of struggled to do marry the whole pass and run game to the point where they're both capable of being productive and you have to honor both all right you've just uh ter- had a bunch of my listeners throw something at a wall because that was a conversation constantly being had here with Scott Turner, the inability to marry the run in the past and things like that. Uh, so people, some people are now out on Greg Roman and others will keep an open, keep an open mind. Uh, let me ask you this. You've been busy covering your team. I've been busy covering my team. So it's not like we can sit here and definitively say, looking at all the other teams that have OC openings and say, what's the best deal. Other than yeah. I think we'll yeah. agree the chargers are the, are the spot that every OC wants to get um yeah our our colleague mike jones uh this will probably run on we're talking friday this will probably run monday so our colleague mike jones has a story up about ranking the the oc list Uh, i'm not sure if he did that on his own or if he was talking to people but in any event um he had the ravens fourth and he had washington fifth um i kind of think that's a little high for washington because of the um ownership thing but they have playmakers and you were mentioning lamar um what is your initial sense of like where, you know, in the pecking order of where Baltimore would rank? Because that's the thing now. It's like the OC has become the real game here. And probably a lot of it's going to have to wait until, well, maybe it doesn't have to wait till Justin Herbert, because that's going to be a special group of people there who are probably not going to be looking for teams like Washington that don't have a quarterback, a proven quarterback. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I'm not the fence sitting here, Ben, but so much of it is, is on really Lamar. If, if you feel good, if, if in the next couple of weeks the Ravens extend them or at some point you have a pretty good assurance that they're going to be able to work this out, I would put them right near the top. You know, I, I get the charges being won, but I, I think, you know, I would put them in, in the top three probably because if Lamar and this offense takes the next step, first of all, you have a, you're going to enter next year with one of the better defenses in the league. It's a good organization. It's a stable organization. It's an organization – you know, John Harbaugh's made the playoffs in 10 out of 15 years. So you're going to be playing meaningful games almost certainly. But you need to know if that quarterback's going to be in there. Now, if he is there and Lamar Jackson takes the next step, 
um, as a passer, as an all-around player, as a guy who's co- going to be competing for an MVP award, you're probably going to get a head coaching job. I mean, that's just how it is um, with the rate. That's just how it is in this situation. But his his talent is tantalizing. They're, you know, they need a wide receiver group. You have Rashad Bateman coming back from an injury. You're going to have Duvernay coming back for an injury. You need at least two receivers. But if Lamar's in place, you got a nice stable of running backs. You got a nice stable of tight ends. You got an offensive line that's in place. You got a good team wide culture. The only thing really missing would be wide receivers. Uh, and, and you can do that. You can get, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens are in the mix for one of these veteran receivers that could get traded this offseason, you know, like a DeAndre Hopkins or something. So, um, I, but it all depends. If if Lamar's not there, well, who's going to be their quarterback? You probably aren't finding one with the 22nd pick in the draft. They only have five draft picks this year. So it's not like they could, it would be hard to move up that much and get somebody. So uh, they'd be in that Band-Aid uh, shopping uh, for a quarterback, and that's not a place an OC wants to be either. So it all depends on Lamar. I think it's one of the better jobs in the league if if Lamar is healthy and and, and if his future is kind of secured in Baltimore. If not, I don't think we're talking rebuild necessarily, but uh, there would be a lot of questions on their offense because what they do well kind of revolves around him. Uh, nothing um, beat writers like more than having to make predictions – but I'll, I'm going to make you make a prediction. You don't have to give me a, a, a chapter and verse here. Of these scenarios, which one would you, if you had to put some chips down, do you think it's the most likely scenario? Uh, he, Lamar does end up signing a long-term deal. Lamar stays playing on the franchise tag next year. Lamar gets traded. I'm going to say Lamar plays on a long-term deal as the one I would predict if I had to predict a three and, you know, I, I, somebody asked me percentages and I think I went up to 58% that he'll be with the team this coming year. So I don't feel strongly about this in other words, but I just can't imagine Ben you're looking from both sides here. Now for a second straight year, Lamar Jackson looked like the best player or an MVP legitimate MVP early first third of the season. Middle hit a slump again, struggle with some things, offense started struggling. Then he got injured and he was out for the season, right? That's two straight years this has happened. And they've gone, Ravens have both likely two years ago and they lost their play. They were in first place. They had the top seed in the AFC heading into December. He went out. They, they didn't even make the playoffs. Last year, this past year, they were leading the division. He went out. They made the playoffs and were out first round. So both sides have to be looking at that. Like if you're Lamar or whoever he's listening to, which is always a mystery, what don't you have to say, well, what happens again if they franchises me? I have to play on the tag and I have another year where it's just like, I mean, this will be three straight years that, that you're not getting top quarterback money at that point, not after three years. But then you're the Ravens and you see what he means. You see how these last two seasons have gone when you haven't had him. And you're like, we need to do we need to keep this guy. This is you know, we don't have anybody in the pipeline. As you said, Huntley's fine as a backup, but he's not taking you anywhere. So it just it just feels to me over the last months should have proven to both of these parties that they need to get their heads together and get this deal done. Right. And, you know. It just makes too much sense at this point, but but some compromise is going to have to happen, and it just hasn't to this point. I don't think he's getting a fully guaranteed deal, and if he refuses to bounce off that, 
And I don't know if that's the sticking point. That's at least what people who say they're familiar with it say, suggest is then I just can't see this being solved. But I'm going to put the money down on he realizes he needs to get this done. They realize they need to get this done. And there's a little bit of compromise on both sides and and, and they get this deal done. But do I feel great about it? No, not one bit. Yeah, I, I, I keep picturing Dan Snyder from this end watching this going, hold on, you're telling me Lamar Jackson, who's already the most popular athlete in the state in which my team plays home games, could be available, and I'm not going to be in a position to do anything about it? Oh, my God, because Dan Snyder, I would imagine, would throw however, whatever the legal amount of, of picks you could throw. He would, <laughs> he, he, would, he would do that, I would think, or at least the old version of Dan Snyder would have, um, for sure. It, it, it's a fascinating deal. You have a, you, you have a franchise quarterback in this league. You have a chance. I I hate that term franchise quarterback. You have a a, a court. There's a handful of these guys who can get that job done. And if you have one, you have a shot. You don't, you don't. But like you said, if you're Lamar, like we went through the, the tag here with Kirk Cousins, he played on it for two years. Kirk Cousins does not put himself in harm's way the way Lamar Jackson does. And that just seems to be such a riskier deal for a guy like who plays like he does to, yeah. to, to not get something done long-term. He would get like 32 million on the tag next year. So that's not nothing. And it would only go up from there but uh yeah i mean you know you would think you'd, get, you'd want to get something done but with his whole you know his, his, I, one of the agents in the survey said last year that lamar negotiates in riddles and it does kind of feel that way and until you yeah. know exactly what he's thinking it's hard to project um at least certainly when i'm not you know for those of us who aren't uh covering the team and sounds like even for you know for you it's like oh, we're trying to figure it out but it's yeah yeah he doesn't speak about it and there's nobody in his inner circle that speaks about it um, and that's that's kind of been the frustrating thing. And, and the Ravens need to preserve the relationship with their franchise, with their quarterback. You know, they're not going to leak stuff that's going to make Lamar look bad or make these negotiations look even worse. I mean, even Eric DaCosta, interestingly enough, came out yesterday and basically accused the NFLPA of leaking some stuff, but said basically made it clear we are very proud that none of this stuff has leaked and, and there really hasn't been any accurate dis- portrayals of where we're at it'll stay that way because the second stuff starts cutting out there's only one or one you know they know who's leaking it so um it's interesting and there's just so many other elements like they sign them to a franchise tag lamar is gonna you know for them to tag and trade him lamar is gonna have to do a deal with the team he's going to probably ahead of time and how long is that gonna take i mean he doesn't know you know this gm doesn't know it just it's just so many elements that that come into this that point to the best thing for both sides would be figure out a way to get this done you know you're around here he is revered in baltimore he is the face the sporting face of the city and if he's here long term it's only going to increase his profile but again it comes down to what they're willing to pay and and what he's willing to upset to accept excuse me and and we'll see if they, they can get this done but yeah, it'll it'll dominate the offseason, that's for sure. And the later it gets, the closer the franchise deadline. Um, you know, you have to know how much you have to spend in free agency too, and how much you have to build your roster. So as I said, with each passing week that goes by the offseason, uh, they're gonna tighten up more and more because it's just gonna be very difficult. <laughs> yeah. Uh l- 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 last topic for you. So in terms of the in terms of the Ravens and the commanders, there's that you know, they're they're connected by you know, not uh, 95 
uh, you know, uh, and and that corridor there is such an interesting one because it's you know like depending on where you are, there's a it's like the dividing line between the Ravens fans and the Washington fans. But clearly from this end, that line's getting more eroded as time goes by. What do the people up there think of Washington watching all that has happened? It's really over the last twenty years, but particularly in the last yeah. two or three years, both in terms of like the fans, but also like. I don't know. Does I don't know if anybody in the organization has thoughts, but like you, the Ravens have been such a stable group for so long, and I know they haven't reached the Super Bowl heights for a little bit, but you know every year the Ravens are going to be solid and good and win and maybe get going. Washington is the opposite. <laughs> what is the so? What's it been like? What, what what's your view of it from that end with the fans or people in the organization? It's funny, yeah, Ben. It's almost they're almost like opposites in a lot of ways. I mean, the one you know, there's stability and there's very little, you know, like. You know, there's been some bad situations here, too, but it's not the constant negativity in the media and, and in terms of, OK, what's next? Uh, what are people going to, you know, it's just your, but, your owner wasn't had, didn't have to go talk to Congress this year. That, 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 no, last year that didn't no. happen. no and, and you know what I think? Look, they Dick Cass has is the former Ravens, longtime president, has a D.C. background. Sashi Brown, as you know. Has a D has been working in it was working in DC, um, and, and before they hired him last year, so they keep a close eye on it. They'll tell you they don't, and they'll tell you, hey, it doesn't affect us. We're just gonna, but I mean, it's an opportunity for them. I mean, expand their fan base, and it's been. I know they look closely at the ratings in 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 DC to see how many people are watching the Ravens, and when they do all those fan studies and t- who's buying tickets, who's watching. I know they keep a very close eye on this market. You know, I live in Howard County. Originally, that was kind of one of the counties. I don't want to describe it as a battleground because that's a little overly dramatic. But that was <laughs> one of the counties that was kind of split. I mean, you had some people who were who were always going to root for Washington. And then, you know, you had some people who had turned to, into the Ravens fans. I see fewer and fewer Washington fans here in this area. And I'm, you know, I'm not taking any shots at Washington. I think you'd probably agree um and uh you know i think the turn lamar jackson even in 2019 i think that started to increase uh you know a lot more ravens became kind of the it the fun team not just in this area but i'm talking league-wide so yeah i think they pay close attention to it ben uh i think they're glad they don't have to deal with it uh, a lot of the things but i don't think they're going to be publicly you know kicking anybody while they're while they're down i think they have enough respect to kind of keep that at arm's length and say okay we get it it's probably helping us but we're gonna let them figure all that stuff out and we're gonna worry about ourselves that's what makes this offseason actually kind of interesting in that no guarantees anything on this end but if dan snyder does sell and lamar jackson situation blows up what happens to the dynamics of these two franchises if a new owner comes in and is able to provide stability do the things you want to see the way bashadi has there and baltimore is now having to deal with the aftermath of letting Lamar Jackson go or trading or whatever, you know, not saying all of a sudden it'll flip, but perhaps the, uh, you know, it, it becomes a little more interesting in that regard. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't think, I think when you talk about, you know, you see some of these trade proposals for Jackson that, you know, I know PFF put one out and the other people are talking and, you know, you look at kind of the deals that Texans got for Watson and the Broncos, the Seahawks got, excuse me, for Russell Wilson, and you're like, wow, if they, the Ravens could get that from Jackson, not to mention they'll open up all the salary cap room from 
you know, and it's enticing. It's just like, okay, you know, Lamar has been injured now two straight years. He's he's struggled a little bit when they made the playoffs. Maybe this would be the best thing for him. But then you go out to a training camp practice and you see 90% of the fans there wearing number eight jerseys. Yeah. And you realize how many more fans and how much their fan base has grown nationwide from having one of the most exciting players in the league on it and a guy, an authentic player that a lot of people love. And, you know, it's, it's he's the sporting face of the city. It's just not easy to move on from that guy. And so, hell, you know, if you're Eric DaCosta or Steve Bishotti, if Lamar goes somewhere else and wins a Super Bowl, that that's you're, that's something you'll never get over in terms of your fans. You'll never get be forgiven for that. So that's why it makes it such a tough decision. It makes it such a tough call. I, I mean, he's truly unlike anybody they've ever had here. You know, like their stars have long been defensive players. You know, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, those kind of guys. Obviously, Flacco had a great run. But he hasn't cat. He didn't capture national attention like Lamar Jackson, you know. So it, you know, it's 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 a definitely it's a. T- I would not like to be in Eric DaCosta's shoes, and and as we talked about here, it's complicated by the fact that he's negotiating deal directly with Lamar Jackson, and, and there's really no buffer there to kind of try to cool things down, turn down the temperature, and just say, okay, we're figuring this out. We're going to compromise here. You're going to compromise there. It's just not as easy to do when you're sitting across the desk from your franchise quarterback. I, I hear you. Look, it was, it was tough for me to negotiate with you to get you on this podcast during the year, but now, <laughs> but now, uh, but now here we are. Uh, Great segue. I- uh at jeff's reback on twitter z-r-e-b-i-e-c he does them i always say everybody has a great job covering their beat and they do but jeff really does a fantastic job covering the ravens he'll be doing that throughout what's going to be a really interesting off season for sure my guy i appreciate it and uh you know we'll we'll uh, we'll see if greg roman show ends up here we may be calling you back sounds good my friend i look forward to uh catching up with you in indy the combine draft season is here it all starts in Mobile. I don't know if you heard that, but uh, but then but then we're on to the combine. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it as always. Sounds good, man. fans this is diana rossini from the athletic get the top stories and pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest nfl newsletter scoop city jacob robinson and i will bring you the daily scoop of top nfl articles posts and podcasts every monday to friday sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop